Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Mic Up Podcast Productions. If you have ever wanted to have a podcast, but you're too busy, your team's too busy, don't worry, we got you covered. All things podcasting from start to finish, end to end, we can take care of all your podcast needs. If you guys have a podcast and you're too busy and you realize that it's just taking up too much time, we also got you covered. If you guys have any, if you guys do want to have a, a consultation call, Hit me in the DMs. We're taking on new clients right now. Yes, Mic Up is my company. I rarely plug it in my podcast, but I'm going to start doing it because why not, right? This My show is powered by Mic Up, and I want to be able to introduce this to you guys. We're opening up seven spots, and I want to be able to invite you in. So if you want to get any more information or set up a call, DM me on my Instagram at lance.esios, and we can set up a call. All right, today's episode, we have the one and only Ryan Blair joining us. This guy is such a rad dude. Little story behind this. My good friend, Jackie Minsky, uh, introduced me to him. She was like, you got to get this guy on the podcast. And I was like, all right, cool. And I started to look at the, some of his achievements. And I was like, wow, this guy's awesome. But sometimes you don't really know the guy, the person, right? You, you see them on social media, but then when you have a conversation, you're like, wow, this person's awesome, right? And that's, that's really what's happened a lot why I feel so blessed doing this, you know, in my life. And the conversation we had today was just so powerful. This guy's story is just wild. But a little bit about Ryan Blair. He's a New York Times bestselling author. Let's correct that. He's a number one New York Times bestselling author, a serial entrepreneur, and the former CEO of Visalis, which he sold for $792 million in 2012. Now, if you guys don't know about Vicellus, it was, it was, it was such a massive company. I think almost every every one of my friends was involved in it around like 2010, 11, and 12. Massive company, and it's really cool to be able to see that he was such a big part of that. And like, like it was, it was literally massive. I just wanted to paint that picture for you guys because um, it's no joke that company. But He's, he's changed now. He's evolved and he's made, he's made it. Things have become, he, he values things a little bit differently now. And, you know, he's gotten more into like the conscious movement and he's now founded his new company called Alter Call, which is a conscious movement, a conscious movement, inspiring entrepreneurs to realign and find their purpose. So this is really, this is really the thing that a lot of people don't get in the entrepreneur world is that you have to be aligned with your purpose. Like you have to know, you have to be in alignment with the thing. Otherwise it's not sustainable. If you're just doing things just to make money, it's, it's, you're going to wear out. You're not, you're going to lose your passion. Right. And if you can find, and you can align yourself to do things that actually really light you up, that's where the magic is. And Ryan talks about this. And what's even cooler about this is that he was, he was in gangs. Like he was, he was in some rough neighborhoods as a kid and he was able to battle through that and become an entrepreneur and have people in his family believe in him 
And it was, this was just such a great conversation. So I don't want to tell you all of it, but I just wanted to express how excited I am to share this with you guys. Ryan Blair is a great dude. And if you're listening to this, I highly recommend getting him on your show because he's got a lot of value and make sure to follow him on social media and uh, yeah, check him out. All right. Without further ado, Ryan Blair coming right up. Here we go. Ryan, welcome University of Adversity, brother. Super excited to have you on here, man. Thank you. It's, I was looking into your story and, you know, obviously there's a few different levels and layers that I, I, I want to get into here, but obviously the show being around adversity, I was really intrigued by obviously the book that you wrote and your story around nothing to lose, everything to gain, how you went from gang, man- gang member to multimillionaire. And I have to start there. There's no other way I can really start. I got to dive into your story, brother. And I feel like um, I would love to learn more about that. I haven't had a chance to read it. And for those that haven't had a chance to read it, walk us through it a little bit, brother. Talk us through that story. And how did you, first of all, get into gangs and walk us through how you ended up navigating through that in the first place? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. You know, I, I was influenced into gang culture by my sister and by the environment that I lived in growing up just outside of Los Angeles. At that time in the early 90s, you know, rap music, gangster rap music, gang culture was heavily iconicized. And I was, you know, I I was connected to that culture. And then I was forced into a gang when my sister's best friend was murdered in a drive-by shooting. And so they, they basically target young individuals, particularly young men, and they recruit him in. And so I was, I was forced into it. And from about the age of 14 years old to around 17, I was involved in gangs and in and out of juvenile hall, in and out of trouble. And, you know, really thought I was going to, you know, head to a life of prison, basically. Walk us through a little bit of what you went through during that, man. Like from 14 to 17, those are some very challenging years as it is. I think about when I was 14 to 17, it was just trying to live a normal life was, was hard enough. Mm-hmm. Talk, talk us, talk us, go into that a little bit, man. I want to hear a little bit about, you know, what specifically you can remember that was really, really shaped who you are. Well, being shot at, you know, I'll never forget seeing the flash of a muzzle in the middle of the night, someone walking up to shoot you and people wanting to kill you, knowing that people were targeting you, knowing that, you know, that you could die, knowing you could go to jail. All of those things shape you as an individual. And, you know, you, once, you've, once you've survived someone shooting at you, you know, the things that you do later on in life are not nearly as difficult. So I was prepped very early in my life, basically, to go through a number of, of difficult battles. There's a lot of other things that, you know, a gang is an illegal enterprise, and there's not much difference between an illegal enterprise and a legal enterprise. So there was, you know, there's a lot of attributes that were transferable into my career as an entrepreneur. And, you know, there was a lot of violence, a lot of drugs, a lot of manipulation. You know, when you think about as spiritual people, when you think about the lowest vibrational living that you can be involved in, basically that's it. Living where you're utilizing violence to survive, you're utilizing power structures to survive, and it's the ultimate low vibrational living conditions that you can be in. What kind of support did you have during that, during that and outside of that? Like, how did you even, how are you able to even, you know, move through that in the first place? Yeah. Like, 
I can't yeah, even imagine how challenging that was. Yeah, you, you have very little support. You know, there was a principal that believed in me, that she cared about me. There was a, a teacher at the continuation high school that I went to that said that I was special, that, you know, he said that I was smarter than the other kids that I was spending time with. And there was a judge that believed in me when I was, I was heading toward a prison sentence. The judge had told me that I should be writing in college, not in prison. And that really shaped me. But I, I didn't have the support that most people have. I didn't have a father. My mother was suffering from alcoholism. And so she couldn't be there for me the way I, I needed to. So I, I had very little support. But there were a few angels that were sent along the way to give me just enough light to steer out of you know, the darkness. And, and I was able to do that. But I, I was raised spiritually prior to being involved in the gangs at 14. My grandmother instilled in me deep spiritual beliefs. And so I had those in me, even though I was going against them. I was rebelling against them because of what I was going through. You know, as a kid, I was really rebelling. I still had that foundation. It's like I never murdered anyone, even though I, I was ordered to. I never did it. I always defied the, the, the leaders of the gang. And, and I, I wouldn't actually kill anyone because, you know, I, my understanding of the Ten Commandments was that you shouldn't kill. And so I wouldn't do that. But I didn't understand, you know, I didn't think the other ones were, I, I broke a lot of the Ten Commandments, you know, stealing and so forth, but killing I wouldn't do. And I had goosebumps when you were talking about somebody believing in you, because I really want to, I, when I dive into these stories of people that have overcome these incredible odds, I feel like there's that common thread of somebody believed in you. Mm. Somebody gave you that, that, that feeling of hope or that there is something within you that somebody could see that maybe you didn't really see. And you see that in sports with coaches and people that believe in somebody and they're able to pull that out of them and they shine, they step into this, this like new, this person that they already know is, is it's like intuitively, you know that. Right. And yeah. I always find it interesting too, because you say your grandmother, you had these values that were instilled yet. You were just trying to navigate this darkness and to be able to come out of that and and to be able to create what you create is, is really amazing. And I just find that so interesting because we need somebody to believe in us, somebody to see that, you know, like, would you agree that that is like super, super important in our progress? Yeah, until you learn to believe in yourself, yeah. you need to rely on the beliefs of others. And if you have people who believe in you, you know, eventually you'll believe in yourself. But if no one believes in you, then you're not going to believe in yourself. And so, you know, I, I had very few people that believed in me. My mother believed in me, though. She would, she would tell me, Ryan, you can do anything that you set your mind to. And I adopted that belief. You know, even though I was in poverty and I kicked out of school and going to juvenile hall and wasn't accepted by society by any means, I still believed that I could do anything I put my mind to. And then further, my mother started introducing me. She started dating a man that later became my mentor and later became my stepfather when I was 17 years old. And so that radically changed my life. I went from living in poverty and being, you know, in, and around, you know, violence to living, you know, in a mansion on overnight, you know, my entire life changed in a moment's notice when he came into my life. Some of the fundamentals that he helped instill in you that made you change. He, he just, he was the first man to, to show me love. My, my biological father was not able to show me love. He, had so much trauma in his life that he was never able to show affection or show love. And, and, you know, he harmed himself and harmed his family and, 
you know, it was, it was a difficult situation being raised by him. And so he was the first, my stepfather was the first man to ever give me, you know, real love. And, you know, he instilled a ton. See, he was an entrepreneur and he was in the real estate industry. So he hustled for his money. He bought foreclosures and cleaned them up and fixed them and flipped them. And so he would have me doing all kinds of chores for him. And, you know, I'd, I'd sand his boat dock down. I'd have to clean his bird cage. I'd have to clean his saltwater reef tank aquarium, you know, because one of the rules that he had for me to live in his home was I had to work. And the job that he gave me was called his person Friday, his boy Friday is what he called it. And so basically I had to, you know, learn how to do manual labor. And so he taught me a lot. You know, I, I, right before I moved into his house, I was in a gang and I was dealing drugs and selling computers and other rackets as well. And when I moved into his house, I had to leave that lifestyle behind me because my old friends in the gang wanted to rob him. And I knew if they robbed him, that it would ruin my mother's Cinderella story. And so as much as, you know, as, as I was loyal to them, I was more loyal to my mother. And so I had to cleanly break from my old homies and, and basically make sure that they didn't touch him. And so that was the dynamic that went down basically. Yeah. But that's, that's usually pretty challenging to be able to break free from that without violence. Right. From my understanding, yeah. I haven't been in gangs, but I, from what I've heard and seen, it's not always an easy exit. No, right? you're, you're afraid that they're going to, and for a, a long period of time, I had to worry about retaliation and I knew, and there were, there were people even recently that just got out of long, long time prison sentences that looked me up after they got out of prison, you know, thinking that I still owed them something. And so, you know, for a long period of time, I had to worry about, you know, the, the, how I exited that environment. And it wasn't easy. You know, there's plenty of, plenty of threats, plenty, plenty of, you know, late nights where I worried, worried about them retaliating, worried about them finding out where I lived. And, you know, and, you know, now I'm not so worried about that, but for a period of time, I definitely was. For sure. Like how much did your mindset have to change on your focus, right? You probably had to completely shift on what you're focusing on because I can imagine if you're constantly focusing on what's going to happen, it's just going to keep, you're going to keep kind of thinking about it. And you literally have to kind of like change your entire focus. Right. Yeah. Yeah. As, as spiritual people, you know, it's real easy when someone says, well, you know, don't focus on that. But if you have somebody that wants to kill you, yeah. right. You have to apply a certain amount of focus to prevent that from occurring. Definitely. You can't yeah. just say, I'm not going to Def think about that. Def yeah. I'm not going to entertain that thought. It's like, no, you know, strategy, you have to come up with a strategy to live. Right. And, you know, and, and so I'm, I'm grateful because, you know, the, the, when it comes to getting things done or, or when it comes to overcoming challenges that I now face, they, they pale in comparison to what I used to face. So, you know, I remind myself, like, you can get through this. If, you know, the economy's bad or COVID hits, like, I can get through anything, right? So mm -hmm. it's really a blessing you know, that, that, that I have had a number of adversities and those adversities have become my spiritual authority that you can't, once you overcome an adversity, you now have the authority to overcome a similar adversity or to help someone else overcome a similar adversity. And so when I, the amount of adversity that I've overcome has been so significant that I'm, you know, I'm now well-equipped to face anything. So let's break that down. What does your process look like? You're, you're faced with adversity. It's there. You know, it's going to be challenging. It may knock you down. Walk us through the process for somebody that may be struggling and 
you know, they're not as empowered with those tools. What does yours yeah. look like? So the first thing you do is you, you, well, for one, you should, you should do this even when you're not in adversity and that you should rely heavily on your faith. You know, a lot of times we fall into adversity because we have broken away from our faithfulness and our practices of faith, whatever those are. So, but when you're in adversity, you gotta, you gotta, you know, get to the roots of your faith. Then two, there's only one way out of a hole and that is to grow out. of. You're not gonna, you're not gonna get out of the hole that you're in. If you keep digging, you gotta only get out of it if you grow. So accelerate your growth. What that looks like practically might be to add a skill. By adding a skill, you know, go buy a book. Now you will find that, you know, that you're in this, this in most cases, the adversities that you find yourself in are self-imposed. In some cases, they happen as a result of circumstances outside of your control, the loss of a loved one, the economy falls apart. You know, those are things that, that we, you know, we, we haven't been properly trained to deal with in our society. And so when they come, they come with a lot of adversity. And the key there is to lean on your faith and grow. And, and the faster you grow, the faster the adversity gets behind you. And as you grow, you will receive, number three, the lesson that that adversity was intended to teach you. And once you've learned the lesson, it's no longer an adversity. It's actually was dark and now it's light. And once you learn to, trans, to transmute dark to light, life becomes beautiful. Because when the dark shows up and there's, you know, there's negative things that happen to us and we learn how to turn them into light, then anything negative that shows up our, is just fertile territory for us to actually turn to light. And the more that you do that, the more successful you become. And so many people hear the stories of adversity that I share and they think, oh, it must be tough to be him. But it's, I've created so much light because I've had so much dark. It's like I had the perfect fertile ground to turn into light. Mm. And so those are really the steps to it. And then once you learn the lesson from the adversity, it's no longer dark, it's now light. And now the last step I would say would be to share what you learned from that adversity. When you share what you learned from the adversity, you amplify that. And then it has deep meaning. It has value, actually. I was just sharing with a friend right before we got on that the day of my mother's elevation, the day that she transitioned, was a really tough day for me. And it was terrible to lose her. And it's coming up in less than a month, November the 2nd. And a lot of my friends on the day of their loved one transition or elevation, a lot of them see that as a really dark day. And I don't, I see this as a light day. Like this is a day that I'm going to go deep into my spirituality, deep into my connection with her. And it's a day that's going to bring miracles into my life where others, they look at their adversities that they've gone through and they'd look at a day like that with dream. And I look at a day like that and I actually look forward to it. And that's, that's what happens when you learn to turn your adversities into your authority. It's beautiful, man. It's beautiful. You got a great energy about you, man. I got to, I just got to say it, call it as it is. I, I, I love that, you know, and it's so interesting to hear your perspective on that because the transition as well, like the language, you know, I lost my dad and my brother not too long ago. And, you know, it really is how you look at it and the language you use is yeah. so important in like really what is happening. Yeah. Well, when, when, when you really go deep into your faith and you have a connection they're, they don't leave you spiritually. They leave you physically and you have an opportunity and I get the chills all over me just sharing this, yeah. but you have the opportunity to actually create a new relationship with those who have, who have elevated. Mm. And that relationship can be a powerful guide for you. And there can be magic in that relationship. If, 
if you really one believe and then do the work to make a connection. And the way we make a connection is we have to clear out any, any mud in the relationship that we had with our loved ones. Any anything that we can forgive them for or seek forgiveness from, all of these things block our relationships with our transition loved ones. So you have to do a lot of purification, a lot of cleansing of that relationship. And when you do that, you will have a connection with your loved ones. And through that connection, you can create a tremendous amount of, of good in your life. It's beautiful. Thank you. You have a quote that I just noticed on your Instagram that I want to talk about that I think is super powerful that I think a lot of people in the entrepreneurial world may not really have discovered yet. You help entrepreneurs build businesses with soul through self-mastery. It's powerful. Tell us what you mean by that. Like, what is the, what do you see as people building businesses without soul and how does one say, like if they resonate with that quote, which I did reading it, I'm like, man, that's powerful. What does that mean? Walk us through that. Well, a lot of businesses are, are they don't have any spiritual energy to them. They're not purpose fo- focused. They're not, they're not a reflection of the internal entrepreneurial spirit that is within the, the founders or the leaders. And so they can be very draining. Businesses can be very chaotic. They can be very unfulfilling. Oftentimes when you don't have your spiritual energy in your business, your business is going to run you as opposed to you running your business. And if you've ever seen a business where everyone is harmonized, everyone is aligned, everyone is following a mutual purpose where people are, are giving you the gift and as an entrepreneur of their life and, their, and they're applying that gift and their unique talents and skills toward your collective purpose and vision for this, this, this vessel that you've created. See, a business with soul is really a vessel where all of the people, the customers and the stakeholders, investors and, and uh, team members are all plugging into this vessel. And this vessel is creating a tremendous amount of light. And from that light, they're able to fulfill the purpose of the vessel. And that's all the business. And so, you know, I, I learned this the hard way because, you know, I was able to scale businesses, you know, utilizing a variety of different tactics and strategies and you know, I scaled businesses to the tune of 100 million a year in profits and 600 plus million a year in revenue and billions in cumulative sales, but I was not fulfilled. And it was just dealing with constant lawsuits and problems. And, str- and I, I asked myself, I said, there has to be a better way because otherwise I'm going to just be done with entrepreneurship if this is all the vehicle could give me. So I took two years evaluating you know, my entire life, and then also working with mentors and leaders and going deep into trying to understand how organizations get powered by the light, for lack of better words. Mm. And you see these organizations making impact and profit and providing, you know, amazing opportunities for their team members and for their customers and for the world as a whole. And so that's what I wanted to do. And so I really studied it for several years. And now I've been mentoring a number of entrepreneurs to help do just yeah, because you were a founder of Vaisalis, right? And yeah. dude, I, when I saw that, I was blown away because I literally knew so many people that were in that. Yeah. I remember back in like 2011, 2012, like that was massive. And to see that you were able to, you know, grow that and scale that is freaking phenomenal because that was a massive company. But I'm sure you learned a lot from that. And it's yeah. interesting that you can say now looking back, you know, some of the lessons you've learned, but man, 
like kudos to you though for doing that in the first place because that that wasn't just a comp that was like a massive thing like yeah it went viral and it you know it became it hit, it hit a tipping point which is every yeah. entrepreneur's dream and we we scaled it i scaled it from twenty thousand a month to 65 million a month that's crazy uh, i was it was quite it was quite fun but I, what i tell people is you know as an entrepreneur i have i've been doing this for 25 years now and the 2 billion or so in revenue that I've generated as a result of being an entrepreneur has just afforded me a lot of experimentation. And so I, I put a significant portion of that capital to work in various hands and in, in various projects, initiatives, and experiments. And so as a result of that, I've got you know, $2 billion worth of experimentation underneath my belt wow. that I now apply to you know, helping other entrepreneurs run their businesses more effectively and, and, and also to my own business and running that effectively. Powerful, man. Thank so you. if, okay, so I like to ask this question too, because, you know, my journey of where I've come from and how I've developed, you know, a spiritual connection to myself, to God, you know, whatever your, your, whatever your label you want to call it. Sometimes people have different paths, but they don't really know how to even connect spiritually or what that even looks like. And I guess my question is, what advice do you have with somebody out there that may want to develop that, but they don't really even know what it even means or what do they look for within themselves, like with intuition or, you know, does somebody that's beginning, I like to speak to somebody that's kind of on the beginning of their journey. They want to transition out of something. They want to learn some spiritual growth, some transformation, develop that spiritual connection but they don't really know how to start. What advice would you give to them? Yeah, your, your soul knows. So like, you know, if something is resonating with you, if the words that I'm saying, if you're like, this is, this makes me hearing this guy talk makes me feel a little different or, hmm. you know, I'm gravitating toward learning from this author, you know, your soul knows who the teachers are at the, the end of our days, we're just going to look back and we're going to have a number of teachers. Right. And we're going to have learned a number of lessons and hopefully learn the lesson that we came here to learn. And so some teachers are negative and some teachers are positive. So when you start your spiritual journey, you just want to find a teacher. And that might be a, it might be that you hire a coach. It might be that you, you know, start watching some YouTube videos on it. But you just start the process of learning uh, from some of the great masters that are out there. But your soul will know which ones resonate with you and which ones don't. And I've been called to learn from business mentors. I've been called to learn from coaches, you know, sports teams, coaches. I've been called to learn from a, a ton of different people, spiritual mentors. And so I have, you know, a handful of people that have provided me some, some really significant guidance along the way. And then I have a larger group of people that I've learned from remotely by reading their books or following them or, or just studying them. But the most important thing to really start to create your connection is to start learning and growing. And then the other thing that I'll tell you is healing as well. Healing and growth are, they're symbiotic. They're like one in the same. So in order to grow, you have to heal. And then, you know, once you heal, you then grow, right? So you have to really heal. So in order for you to get into your spiritual journey, you might have to start healing some things that are uncomfortable. You might have to go look deeply at some traumatic events that have happened in the past. Or even if you haven't gone through trauma, maybe your needs weren't met as a child. Maybe you have bitterness or resentment toward the way you were raised, your brothers or your sisters or your neighbor. All of those negative things that we feel is the beginning of us 
to find out what needs to be healed. Those are the symptoms. And so the more that we heal, the more that we're able to grow. And the more that you grow, the more that you're able to have a connection with the forces at work that are all around us that we can't see. I like you, I, I, don't, I don't care what somebody calls God. You know, you can call it source, you can call it God, you can call it anything you want, a Yahweh. I mean, there's a hundred different names, you know, for this, but it's a force that we can all tap into. And these forces are at work all around you at all times. And so to me, in my journey at, at this stage, I said, I want to learn how to make a connection to that, that field, that spiritual energy around us. And I spent a lot of my energy learning how to make that connection. And so it comes down to learning, growing, and healing. And as you do those three things, you're going to make a connection. Yeah, man. So much healing to do. And it's a beautiful thing as we evolve and you know we level up. And healing is one of these things that has been so powerful in my life too. Just to kind of look back as to like where we come and like the lessons we learn and just how we react and around trauma and everything too is like, you know, I've talked about trauma a lot on the show, but I always like to ask someone like yourself, who's, you know, very successful and very tuned in. How does somebody identify if it's a trauma response? Like how does somebody even know? Because so many people are just in the loop of reacting to the external thing, the addiction, how does somebody know that it's a trauma response and how do they even know that they have to heal themselves? Well, if you're being triggered, right? So when you're triggered, you lose energy. If somebody cuts you off on the freeway and you're not just hoping that they get to wherever they need to get to quicker and hoping they do so safer. And, you know, then, yeah, and believe me, I used to be the most triggered. I was a gang member. Like I, I lived with triggers all around me at all times. So I understand the exact opposite of this. And this is why I'm qualified to teach on the subject because I've had to learn how to unwind a lot of triggers. But triggers are going to tell you that there's trauma there. And you might be triggered by watching politics or triggered by, you know, you know, by somebody having more than you do or triggered by jealousy or triggered by all kinds of things, right? So triggers are generally where we start to, to do the, the, the digging. And you want to dig as deep as you can to find the roots of it. Now, I'll tell you one that came up for me. I had a, a spiritual retreat that I did uh, this weekend. And as I'm teaching these things, oftentimes things will come up for me. And I, you know, I get triggered when people are not on time. Now, I no longer lose energy. Like I'm not you know, getting upset and losing you know, friends and, and having huge consequences, but I would get triggered. And it dawned on me that it was because my mother was always late. And so I realized, wow, this, why does this bother me so much, right? Like life would just be better if I didn't get bothered every time somebody was five minutes late because everybody's always five minutes late in Los Angeles. And I'd prefer not to, you know, have emotional energy leaving me uh, all the time. And I just, I realized, wow, it was because my mom was always late. And that was because, and that, that hurt me because she wasn't meeting my needs because that was important to me to be on time for my sporting practice or be on time for school or, you know, be on time. And it wasn't important to her. And so as a result of that, I later on put a huge meaning to being on time. There was more meaning than it should have had. Now it's important to be timely and punctual in business. And it's important to have mutual respect, but it shouldn't lose. I shouldn't lose sleep over other people's tardiness. Right. And so I, you know, I, I, I came to that realization that it was rooted in, the way I was raised. And then I forgave my mom and forgave myself. 
And now, you know, that emotional energy is no longer trapped within me like it once was. Mm. That's a, a simple example of a very simple one. Behind every trigger, behind everything that, 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 that discharges energy from you in proportionate to what it should, that requires too much emotional energy, there's something traumatic there that bothers you. And trauma isn't just the, the most outrageous or most painful stuff that we think of. Trauma is any time that your needs were not met as a child, you, you created it as a traumatic experience because as a child, you can't meet your own needs. So your parents have to do that. And when they don't, it's traumatic for you. And so as a result of that, all of us have traumatic things that we have to heal because none of our parents were perfect. There's, there's no playbook for how to parent. Now there's some more studies on this and there's more conscious parenting going on. But, you know, when I was a child, there was no such thing as conscious parenting, or at least if there was, it was, you know, was not widely known. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting self-awareness, you know, just to know that there's even an issue to, to understand, right? Like I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. Like even today in my gratitude, I'm like, I'm grateful to have self-awareness because it's like, how else would we even know? Like the fact that we know that I should, there's something within me that could be doing better or something that is there. I need to look into that. Like just that awareness is so key. Yeah. Yeah. It, we all have mud in, in our vessels. We have this beautiful vessel that, that, that should be shining a bright light yeah. and we get mud in the vessel and we get it in the vessel by way of the way we were raised by culture, by society, by the system that suppresses us, the education system, the healthcare system, the political system. I mean, the financial system, all of these things, the mortgage system, the debt system, the, like these things just put mud in our vessel. And if we don't have the tools to get the mud out, then the mud is basically going to dim the light and eventually you won't shine light. And eventually you'll attract negativity into your life. And so what I learned, because there was a time when my vessel was so clogged with mud that I was attracting just negativity all the time. And I couldn't understand it. I was like, why am I getting all this bad luck coming in my direction? And I realized that I just accumulated over my lifetime, a lot of mud that I had not gone out there and with the shovels and, and got it out and healing and the various tools and practices that I teach are the tools that you utilize to get the mud out of the vessel. But self-awareness is extremely important that you just have mud in the, I have mud in the vessel. Like I, today wasn't a good day. What do I got to heal? I woke up feeling negative. What do I got to heal? I was triggered that someone cut me off or the person didn't greet me appropriately at the grocery store and it really bothered me, right? Okay, great. There's healing to be done here. And the more that you have a mindset that healing is painful, but that it's necessary and the pain of not healing is far more consequential and far more painful than the pain of healing. Mm. So I'd much rather embrace the pain of healing rather than the pain of not healing, because the pain of not healing comes with many, many different consequences. Pain of not healing might make you sick, it might give you disease, it might cost you relationships, it might cost you jobs, it might cost you the ability to live your full. But when you heal and you go through the, you know, the pain of healing, because it's painful to realize how much work we got to do, how, how much brokenness we might have within us. And when we embrace that pain of healing and we heal ourselves, then the world just becomes filled with light. And it's mm -hmm. a beautiful, beautiful place. to. Well said. Thank you. What are some non-negotiables for you? Like, let's break down. You wake up in the morning to have, you got to have the best day. 
And yeah. you just, these are just non-negotiables for you. What are those things? First thing I do in the morning, and it's not very manly, is I take a saltwater bath. First thing, I have a saltwater bath. I get either dead sea salt or Epsom salt. I light, I have a candle lit, you know, that I meditate to. I turn on some classical music or some other, you know, high vibrational music, or I'll do it in silence. And I'll just lie there in that bath detoxify, cleanse any negativity and do my meditation and prayer work. And I do that for about 40 minutes every morning. And then from there, I go get my workout in where I'm physically moving, getting active. I, I have an energy regimen in terms of, you know, I take a ginger shot. I'll, you know, I'll have either, you know, a, a green juice smoothie or something of that nature. I hit the gym and then I start work from there. And that is my morning ritual and routine. And it's non-negotiable every single day, no matter where I'm at. And, you know, I have amazing days because of it, but I start my day in a beautiful saltwater bath, you know, just removing any negativity that I brought with me. Yeah. I mean, it's, you're starting your day with self-love, man. It's, it's yeah. great. You know, that's a great addition. I might even try the bath thing because I meditate. Why not do it in the bath? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I had so, oh, it's so amazing. Like so I had so many sports injuries and, you know, putting, putting consistent time in a saltwater bath changed my entire physical body, my coordination is different. It's better. You know, I'm able to do all kinds of things. I've applied this now for four years straight, right? You know, and when I was going through di difficult times healing, I put more time in the bath. Now I'm in maintenance mode. I just got to get in there for, you know, 30 to 45 minutes every morning. But, you know, when I was going through some really difficult times, you know, I put a couple hours a day inside that bathtub. Why is a morning routine important for the, for the person struggling in their life right now? Why is it important to have a non-negotiable. If you want to change your life, just wake up with the sunrise. We get disconnected from the way the earth and the cosmos and, and like the energy systems that are all around us, the sunrise, the moon, the stars, the night, like we get disconnected from the most powerful sources of energy that we can have, which is our connection to mother nature and to earth. So waking up with that sunrise is a very natural thing to do. We're programmed to be that way as, as human beings. It also puts you ahead of everyone else that's not waking up with that sunrise. So you can have the time to work on your self-love rituals, your meditation and your spiritual rituals, and you get that done before you start your day. Hmm. So you've already, you're not, you're not playing catch up. You're not wondering if the day is going to be a win. You've won and you've won before you've even started work. Hmm. And so that's why it's extremely important. Like get the win, get the win quickly, get it early, get it right away. And then the rest of the day, you know, like they say, uh, in, investing is you're playing with the house's money, basically, right? So like, if you've already got the wins, mm. right, the rest of the day is just going to flow. But if you haven't, then you're going to be putting energy into, okay, when is my workout? You know, did I eat? When am I going to eat correctly? If I'm going to eat at all? Or am I going to eat according to what my, you know, my, my plan is, you're going to have a lot of questions throughout the day that are going to drain your energy for more productive questions. Dude, I couldn't agree more. You have another book, Rock Bottom to Rock Star. What else are you working on that people can go check out and learn more about? Awesome. Check me out on Instagram. I'm at Real Ryan Blair on Instagram. If you DM me, uh, I'd love to have a conversation. You know, I, I receive a tremendous amount of my, my personal fulfillment from just being able to help mentor people. And so if some of the tips or some of the tactics that I've taught, you know, are, are interesting. You can also, there's a documentary on YouTube called Nothing to Lose the Documentary you can check out. And if you follow me on Instagram, I put out a lot of content. I'd just be happy to share with you, you know, what I've learned along the way on my journey. Love it, man.
Okay, just to wrap it up, last question here. I always like to kind of give the audience a little takeaway, a little bit of your secret sauce. For somebody that's struggling out there that is tuning into this conversation and they need some advice in these crazy times, what is something that you could give to them to walk away with today if they're struggling or going through their own adversity in their life? You are here for a reason. You have been called to listen to this podcast at this exact time, at this exact moment in your life for a reason. And there are no accidents. There's no coincidences. So take action on that. See this as a sign. See this as, as a gift from the universe. Right now, the wisdom that you've heard from this particular information was designed to be purposely given to you. Take action on it and implement it in your life. Mm. Dude, thank you, man. Time flies. I know we got to wrap it up. Grateful for your for this conversation, man. You got so much great information. And like I said, man, I, I really mean it. You had awesome energy. And yeah, this was this was awesome. Thank you so much, brother. Oh, thank you, man. I, I'm sorry I got to cut it short, but yeah. I look forward to catching up. And, you know, Jackie and I are working together. So let's do something more together. If, if anything comes into your spirit about ways we could serve together, I'm, I'm an open book, brother. Sounds good. Thank you so right, much. Man. Thanks, everybody. Make sure to check out Ryan. If you guys aren't subscribed to this YouTube channel, make sure you hit the subscribe and the bell to stay notified. And if you are listening to this on the podcast platforms, hit the subscribe button on Apple or the follow button on Spotify or wherever you're listening, get subscribed. We got great guests coming. And if you feel called to do so, leave us a review on Apple or tag a friend. If you got value, share it with somebody that needs it. Sharing is caring and we love you. All right. Have a great day, everybody. Catch you next time.